Let's open in prayer, and then we will dig right in. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity given uh, to me to present your word to your people, to your church. I, I, I take this responsibility so greatly. It is such a weighty, uh, such a weighty thing, and uh, that you would call me uh, to this, um, Lord. I pray that I would use all that I am and put all of my effort into. Uh, into this. You are so worth it, God, the work that you do in us. I pray that as I preach your word, that I would proclaim it boldly, uh, that I would proclaim it truthfully, Lord, that I would follow close by scripture and not stray from what your word has to say to us. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your people. Uh, I thank you for what you've been doing in, in each and every one of us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and I just ask that you would continue moving in us tonight. Uh, as we dig further and further into your word, uh, as we kind of near the close of, of the book of Romans, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would continue refining us, continue moving in us, that we might be a people uh, who would be willing to serve you, who, that we might be a people who uh, have a solid grasp on the gospel, though the depths of it we could not hope to, to push into even given an eternity. I pray that we would have a solid grasp on it so that we would not be timid in sharing uh, the gospel hope that we have in Christ, that he, is, uh, that he has done a work for us that we never could have done for ourselves, and He has offered it to us, uh, that through faith we might take hold of such a great hope. Uh, Lord, uh, do a work in us tonight. It's in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so short, short review. Like I say, I'm just going to read kind of from my notes the two big ideas that we should have been, they're really one big idea, and it's going to continue even, even uh, we're going to kind of summarize it even in the text tonight. But just two ideas that we pulled out as we were going through chapter 14 of Romans. Here's uh, the first half of chapter 14. Here's what we should have kind of gleaned from that. The gospel of Christ and our shared faith in Christ alone for salvation unifies us by God's grace and allows us to show grace to one another as we differ in our understandings of secondary and tertiary issues that pertain to Christian living. Read that one more time. The gospel of Christ and our shared faith in Christ alone for salvation unifies us by God's grace and allows us to show grace to one another as we differ in our understandings of secondary and tertiary issues that pertain to Christian Living. And then from the last time, the gospel of Christ frees us from our sinful and destructive pursuits, often centered around self-gratification, and directs us to live lives that pursue peace and the edification of others. So I'll read that one more time. The gospel of Christ frees us from our sinful and destructive pursuits, often centered around self-gratification, and directs us to live lives that pursue peace and the edification of others. And then for kind of an idea of what I hope that we can get out of the text tonight, here's kind of a little forward looking into that. So with Christ as our examples, or as our example, we must not live to please ourselves, but instead we must live to build up others. To be in accord with Christ, we must be in harmony with one another, so that with one voice we may glorify God. So if you're wanting to get what's the big idea that we're going to be taking out of the text tonight, this is it. With Christ as our example. Who's our example? As Christian, who is our example? 
Christ is our example. So with Christ as our example, we must not live to please ourselves. But instead, we must live to build up others. So what is your goal as a believer, as a Christian, left here amongst other believers? What is our goal? To please myself? Is it all about me? Is it all about you? Who's it about? It's about Christ. And we show that, we spread that. How? By building up others. By serving, by serving others. So we must live to build up others. To be in accord with Christ. What does it mean to be in accord? To be in one accord. What does that mean? Harmonized, right? right? To be harmonized or to be walking with Christ. To be in accord with Christ. We must be in harmony with one another. Is it an option? Right? Is harmony within the church an option that we have? Is walking hand in hand with fellow believers an option? Is, is church an option for the Christian? If you say yes, then, then I don't think that you've grasped what we've seen thus far through the book of Romans as far as what it means to be uh, in Christ. So to be in accord with Christ, we must be in harmony with one another so that with one voice we may glorify God. So this idea is kind of what, we've, what we, we hope to pull from the text uh, as we walk through it tonight. So we're at a point now uh, in the book of Romans that Paul is getting ready to, to kind of wrap it all up together and tell us what the point that he was writing to begin with was. Does anybody, has anybody read ahead? Do we know why Romans, why Paul sent this letter to the Romans? Who's read ahead in, in the book of Romans? Who can tell me what Paul's purpose in this was? Anybody? Paul's purpose in this, as we will see, is that his plan is to go preach to people who have not been preached to yet. He is going to preach in hopes that the Roman church will send him on his way to preach to people who have yet to hear the gospel. And, and knowing what we know, having dug through the book of Romans, someone who does not have the gospel, what hope do they have? Does that weigh on us at all now? Do we understand that even today, there are those who have no access to the gospel? Do we understand that as a church? Does that concern us at all as a church? Who does it concern in this room tonight that there are those in this world that if they die today, they never, never had it available to them. No one could preach it to them. It should concern us all, especially if we believe that without the gospel, without the hope of Christ for salvation, that all are lost. That there is not one good. That's what Scripture says. That there's not one who seeks God. That's what Scripture says. That's what we've seen as we look through the book of Romans. This is why the Gospel is such good news to us. Because though we were not looking for Him, He came for us. And we as believers should with one voice be declaring this to the world. 
Who among us believes that without the support of other believers that you can get the gospel to a place that it's never been preached? Should it surprise us then? And we're going to go back and look at how he's already been planting these seeds along the way. But as we've been looking at this, for the last several weeks, from chapter 12 up to this point, we've been digging through the book of Romans, exploring how the gospel applies practically to the lives of believers. Would it surprise you that one of the major aspects of practical Christian living is how the gospel unifies us? How it brings us together. Not just so that we can sit happily in pews, but so that with one voice, in one accord, we can declare the glory of God to the world. And He's been telling us this. And He will continue telling us this tonight. So, before we get into chapter 15... One, I want to just go back and, and us just review from chapter 12, just a couple of places that I've got uh, highlighted um, as I've been going through this, just to show you that this idea of unity, I want to remind us, because it has been a long road to this point, I want to remind us just by looking back and glimpsing at verses that we've seen already and that you should remember, but just for just for the sake of remembrance. So this is chapter 12. Um, I'm going to look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is us together, working, unified. Chapter 13, the latter part of chapter 9, or verse 9 into 10, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Verse 4, or chapter 14, we kind of dug through a, a bunch there in, in, in just two two services. Uh, but here I wanted to remind us that in verse 7 of chapter 14, we see this text, for no one of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Who? Is this, is this, is this the talk of, of an individual here? Or is this the talk of a community of believers? Right? So one practical way that we see the gospel working out, if the gospel is at work in our church, it should be unifying us. And it should be unifying us not so that we don't have to worry about whether or not business meetings go smoothly, but so that with one voice and in harmony with one accord, who can be glorified? God 
can be glorified. So as we consider back on what we were looking at through chapter 14, those kind of areas, those differences that we have, right? I want to be honest with you. How many of you thought after the last one that Landon might not get to stand back up and preach again, right? Like, how many of you at all along the way through this, can we be honest, has there been something that I've preached that when you left, you were like, I don't know so much about that, Right? Nobody? So y'all agree with me? All right, good, man. So at least dad raises hand, but he can't hear me unless I'm turned up really loud. (laughs) So here's what I... This is a beautiful thing, right? Now, I'm not foolish to think that there's not a single area in here that y'all are like 100% on board with me. But here's it. Do y'all love me? I love y'all. Right? Y'all are still coming, so that's that's a good thing. We're all awfully long way through this book, right? So... What is that if not harmony, right? If God's not working in us, even though there's going to be areas where we disagree, these are not central gospel areas. They may be areas where we differ in the way that certain truths play out in our lives. But we're like, hey, man, God's grace is shining on me, raining on me. Whenever I stand before Him, it will not be that I'm holy because I stand having worked out all my issues. Neither will it be for you. Each of us will stand in grace. In the grace that has been provided to each of us by the work of Christ. In that, we are unified. In that, the lost world can find hope. So, as we press on considering those things, I want us to look chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. So, there's something interesting that jumps out at me in this verse. And I want to point it out by asking a question. Who among you feels strong today? Who, who among you would raise your hand and say, I am strong in faith? No one? So, thank you, Kim. This is good, Gary. You f- listen. Here, here's a, can I? Wait, let's be honest. When I ask that, y'all are like, "Is that a loaded question?" <laughs> right? Like, if I'm raising my hand, is it going to be like shame on you? Right? So, <laughs> there should be some of you who are strong in faith. Can you hear me? Right? Like, don't be afraid to say, you know what? I've been through a lot, and God's kept me the whole way. Thank you, Jesus. Right? I'm strong in that. Right? And here's what I want us to see in Scripture, because so oftentimes when we deal with these things, we want to say, well, everybody's at the same place, right? Well, I was saved many years ago, and my daughter was saved just a few years. Right? If even years. So I want to say, who's stronger in the faith? Who should be stronger in the faith? Me or someone who just came to salvation? If you've been walking with Christ for any amount of time, and you can't say your faith has been strengthened or grown, check that. Check that. Right, and, and if we can't say amongst one another that there are some farther along in the walk than others... Let's be wary of that. Because if there's none stronger than me, then who will I look to for growth? Who will I look to for counsel? Who will I look to for guidance? So let us not be so politically correct or so false, so much full of false humility that we would honestly say that we don't understand the truth of what Paul's saying here. Right? Here's what he's saying. 
we who are strong. Do you understand that we as a church should be able to identify those who are wise and mature in Christ versus those who are young in the faith? It is it is not too bold to say that our pastor is strong in the faith. And it is it, we none of us should look and keep be raising his hand back there and be like, shame on him. You should be humble, brother. Right? Well, you want leaders in your church who are strong in the faith. We should look for leaders in our church who are strong in the faith. Not just because they say they are, because we can see that they are in the way that they live and conduct their lives. We who are strong is what Paul says. He does not beat around the bush that there are those who are strong and there are those who are weak. It is not to downgrade some and say, well, you're just a weaker Christian. Because if you're weak today, you should be growing in strength. We as a church, those who are strong, should be leading you. So that you are built up in faith. Do we get this? That this is one of the responsibilities and roles of a church. That we are to build one another up in faith. You should not be 40 years in Christ and a babe in Christ. You should grow. And if we're not growing, is it because we're not looking to grow? Or is it because as a church we've somehow failed in this? We who are strong. And and as I look at this, I want to say that, that He is not timid about pointing out. But here's the thing. Oftentimes when we look at being strong in the faith, we look at it like if somebody says they're strong in the faith, then they're doing it for boastful reasons, or they're doing it for this or that. Like When Paul identifies someone who is strong, never is it so that they can get some kind of glory, but it's so that they can be laid upon them some kind of responsibility, some kind of obligation, right? To be strong in the faith means that you can bear with others, Right? That you can be trusted by others. So what does he say to those who are strong in the faith? Leading in from the discussion that we had the last time in chapter 14. We who are strong in the faith have an obligation. An obligation to what? To bear with the failings of the weak. Are you strong in here tonight in your faith? Are you strong? Okay, some of you may in your mind say yes. Some of you may say no. If you are strong in the faith, are you bearing with anyone? Right? Here's the truth. that church is not supposed to be easy. Right? Like He didn't bring us together and tell us to be in harmony because it was just going to snap. Because y'all got personalities that are different from mine. And some of y'all's personalities click more with my personality. And some of your personalities, my personality might get on your nerves. Right? So you got to work at being in harmony with one another. We have to bear with one another in our weaknesses. Right? Are you weak? In here tonight, would you classify yourself in that 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 you think you know I, I've got more failings than I do on the other 
And I've got more, I've got more weaknesses than I've got strength. I've got so much farther to grow and I've, I feel like I've made no progress at all. And I want to say to you, this is an important reason why we need to be able to identify the strong among us is those who consider themselves weak. You need to be connecting with someone in this church who feels that they can lead you, that they can guide you in scripture. Right? We are not to let people simply fall through the cracks. That does not mean that it is Brother Kip's responsibility that every person that comes in here, that he's got to go and have personal Bible studies with each and every one of them. Which is why Kip should not be the only one in here who raises their hand when I say, do you, do you, are you ready to bear that kind of thing? Right? Are, are you a Christian who's far enough in their walk that you say, I want to bear. Right? I want to bear with the weaknesses of others. I want to lead others on. Who's there? Who's there? Who, who among us wants to, like, be bold in this? Ray, raise your hands up. Y'all raise your hands up. Look around the church. Raise them up. Look around the church. Okay? If you are in here and you want a mentor, you want someone to lead you in Scripture, raise your hand up. Right, this is good. We got classes for this, right? Join up with classes. There are other men and women in there. If you're not, if you are, awesome, stay in there. Look for opportunities to be used. Say, God, where am I strong? Where can I be used? With one voice. If we want to reach the nations, we must do it together. If we want to preach the gospel where it has yet to be preached, we must do it together. We must all be growing, all be moving in one accord. We must be willing to bear with the failings of the weak. And we must also be wise to understand that, that we have our own areas of weakness. Right? Just because you are strong in the faith, does not mean that there is no place for you to grow. And this is why here it's so awesome we have preachers that preach to preachers that preach to preachers. Right? That's not in a lot of places. And we need that. Right? We need that because we grow from one another. Because there's, there's blind spots that each of us have that we don't know we have or it wouldn't be a blind spot. And God works through the strong to, to build up the weaknesses of others who are strong. Together, church. I want you to get this idea that the practical, one practical way that the gospel applies to us is it brings us together. It harmonizes us together so that we can walk together, so that we can serve together, so that we can take the gospel to the nations together. Even if you're not the one going there, it's because others have come together to send those there. Like, uh, I want us to get that. I want us to understand that as Paul's leading this, so many times mentioning this, I want us to not let it slip by us that he's about to tell them, I hope to come to you so that you can send me. And do you think that there would be any hope in that had the gospel not unified a church that would be willing to send? Right? So one practical way that the gospel works out in our lives as believers is it unifies us together. So that we can walk, so that we can bear, so that we don't seek to please ourselves. The last part of that place there says, and not to please ourselves, right? We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. 
who among us who, are, who would consider yourself to be strong desires? Not only to bear with, right? Like, like I'm not asking you just put up with the weaknesses of others, right? Who among us desires to be used in a way that edifies and builds up, right? The goal ultimately in bearing with is that you help along so that you don't have to bear with that weakness, right? We're building up, we're bearing with so that we can build up. How many of us got that kind of time we want to spend with other believers? How many of us want to orient our lives to make way for that time so that we can bear with and build up? If you ain't got time for that, then I would say you're probably not in the camp of the strong yet. So what you need to do is find someone that you can be led and guided through the Scriptures with. Right? So in this, bearing with and building up now. Bearing with, not to please ourselves, but to please our neighbors for His good, to build Him up. And, and, and then immediately, what we should be asking ourselves is how. How do we bear with? How do we build up? How do we bear with someone who's in weaker, who we find that, that they've got an area that it's like, I don't see how that lines up at all with Scripture. I want us to get together. I want us to bear with one another. I might, I want to be honest, I might be the one that's weak in that area, and I might just be haughty enough to think that I'm right, and actually you're right. So I want us to get together. I want us to be like, how do we work these things out? How do we press forward? What is it that builds up? What is it that builds up? And I want us to, I want us to see what Paul does. So he places this out there, this obligation for us. And, and in verse three he says, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who, repro- who reproach you fell on me. What does Paul immediately do? He places his obligation out there. And then what does he do? He gives you a scripture reference. Y'all follow me there? So when he puts these things out there, you're like, okay, that's what I should be doing, right? We should be bearing with, we should be building up, but how many of you say how? Right, like I get that I should, but how? How many of you are there? Right, how many of us are like, I get that I should, but how, like what's the, what's the way to go about that? Look at the example of scripture. What does Paul do? What has he done throughout this book? Throughout this book. Numerous times the quoting and quoting and quoting and quoting and quoting of Old Testament. Numerous times as he's writing New Testament, the quoting of Old Testament. What is he doing? It's setting an example for us. If you were going to lead someone who is weak in an area to build them up to be strong, how do you do it? You use the Scripture. You don't use your opinion. You don't use what you think. You use the Scripture. You need to be able to rightly divide what God's Word says. I would, t- I would say that, that if you can do that, you're well on your way to being one who is strong in the faith. Right? Because if you can't rightly divide what God's Word says, how are you going to lead someone? How are you going to build someone up? Is gossip going to build someone up? Is hearsay going to build someone up? Is what you heard from your mama's mama's mama going to build someone up? What church is going to build someone up? What is going to bring someone from being weak in the faith to strong in the faith? Scripture. So let us glean that from this. Paul gives an example, and then he goes right into showing us, just outright saying it to us. Right? For whatever was written in former days was written for, 
for our instruction. So what's Scripture written for? We can pull this right here. What is it written for? For our instruction. Who needs instruction? All of us. Where do we need instruction? In those places that we're weak? In those places that we are in error? In those places that we haven't been yet instructed? The way to go? What is Scripture good for? What is Scripture given for? To instruct. So if you're going to lead someone, how can you lead them if you're not in God's Word? We must, we must be in God's Word. We're going to lead, we're going to build up, and we're going to do it because we do it with Scripture. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. And not only that, watch this, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, what does Scripture do? It instructs, what else does it do? It encourages. How many of you have ever been encouraged by Scripture? This morning as Kip was preaching through Job, I'm telling you, when I listen to that, when I see, I'm, I'm, that's encouraging me. Right? That's a big view of God in the book of Job. And when I see that, that just to my, I'm like, we can do anything with that kind of God. There's nothing that's out of His control. That's encouraging to me. When I preach, I hope that there are times that the preaching is instructing you. And there are times that I, I pray that it encourages you. And there's times that I pray it does both. So the Scripture instructs. The Scripture encourages. And what comes of this, man? Check this out. So, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have what? Hope. Where do we find hope? Is it in opinions? It is in what your culture says. Where are you going to find hope? In Christ alone. And where do we learn of Him? But the Scriptures. Be, be in this book, people. Church, be in this book. If you need hope for the day, it is found within the pages of this book. This book tells us of a gospel that there, again, and I must come back to this, that there are men and women today who have not heard it. And it's not because they've closed their ears. It's because the gospel has not been presented to them because it's not there yet. And that should concern us as those who have heard this great hope that we have in Christ. This should be something that unifies us to gather that with one voice and one accord with Christ, we are lifting God uh, to all the world. Right, like That's where Paul is leading with this. I want you all to get that. That as he's kind of hyping this unity thing up together, ultimately he's transitioning this as I'm coming to you guys and I'm preaching where it's never been preached. Right, I'm going there. And I'm going there not just by myself, but we are going there. Right, Together. You may stay in Rome, but you went through me. That kind of idea, right? Because we don't do this one-off. Like one person from our church does not decide to be a missionary in that work. 
lest they have the, the backing of the church. Follow that. Follow. I don't know where all of this ultimately is leading. And I do hope that someone becomes a missionary from our church. Right? I hope that our church becomes more mission-oriented, mission-minded in what it does. I don't... But this is where Scripture's leading here. Right? And then in verse 5, as he kind of starts this transition, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may be one voice, you may with one voice glorify God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. How has Christ welcomed us? Church, in grace. How are we going to find and keep unity and one voice together here? That same grace. That same grace. So, let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank You for this day. I thank You for Christ. I thank You for Your Gospel. I pray that the truth of Your Gospel would uh, continue working in us, that, that Your Holy Spirit would work to sanctify us, to continue this work that You have started in us, that we would be made more and more in the image of Christ and the likeness of Christ and the way that we act uh, amongst each other and the way that we act in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, that, that this gospel would become so real to us that it would be worked out in us by the Holy Spirit in a way that those who we come in contact with would see it or that we would be bold in sharing it, that it would be a continual concern of our hearts, that there are those who have yet to hear it, and that we would be willing to go. That we would be willing to go. Lord, send us. Send us. For Your glory, let us lift up with one voice. Christ above all. It's in Christ's name, for His glory. Amen.